This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's podcast episode, I'm really excited about today's guest, Dr. Kevin Gazzara, and he's the CEO of Magna Leadership Solutions, and he's got a lot of experience uh, as an entrepreneur, coach, in industry. We're going to talk about making a break from corporate America, positive intelligence, how to develop it, personal brand, and I'm happy to welcome Kevin to the show. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks a lot, Chris. I'm looking forward to hopefully giving the listeners uh, useful information that they can use uh, both in business and their personal lives. Yeah, I love that. And kind of set the stage, your story, your background, and we'll get dive right into the conversation. Sure. Uh, well, see, so I was born and raised in uh, Philadelphia area, uh, did all my undergraduate work in <laughs> engineering and business, uh, spent 30 years in corporate world, uh, went back and did my MBA and then ultimately my doctorate in organizational leadership, which is my passion. Um, and the last, excuse me, the last 18 years before uh, I retired and I had a personal goal. I wanted to retire at 50 and then go give back and, and do my own thing. And fortunately, uh, I had a great financial advisor uh, and a great mentor. And I was able to do that. I spent 18 years at Intel and uh, lots of different jobs came in as a marketing engineer, as a product manager, as an ops manager. I was a general manager for a small division. But the last 10 years I had uh, spent at Intel, I initially managed Intel's uh, leadership development programs. Actually, I managed Intel University for a couple of years for the U.S. And then I managed their development programs. And uh, I did that for about my last six years. And uh, I, Intel is a fantastic place to to learn and grow. Uh, great technology company, great people, great leaders. Um, I tell people I had ten managers when I was uh, managing there. I had eight managers who were incredible leaders, and then I had two other ones that I just learned so much from of what not to do. So, but the the last several years I spent. I manage Intel's what they call residential programs for first and midline management. And we used to do 2,500 managers and leaders in 10 different countries every year. When I retired from Intel in June of 2007 to start up my firm uh, with two of my colleagues from Intel, we had just finished training our 40,000th manager. So, so I got pretty good. It was you know week-long programs. We did them all over the world. Uh, fantastic learning, uh, great opportunity for me to develop some amazing material, get feedback from uh, the managers and senior managers, and then take those kind of concepts into uh, the world I'm living in now with my 
with my business partners, you know, giving it to companies, you know, giving them this incredible level of leadership development in our Leading Forward Academy, uh, you know, for organizations, small and medium-sized organizations that don't have $10 million to, to spend. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have quite a fascinating uh, story and, you know, we'll kind of dive right into it. And uh, I love how you describe your path to retirement is like, yeah, good mentors. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have financial advisors because of, uh, but that's a different story. But um, one thing that we love is um, this uh, idea of how to make the break from corporate America. A lot of people are disillusioned with uh, just the whole job security paradigm, and they want to become self-employed. They want to be business owners, entrepreneurs, kind of talk about this, make the break from corporate America. Yeah, well, I'd, I had a 10-year plan. So, you know, most of the people I end up either coaching or consulting with uh, don't have a plan. They they get downsized or, you know, they finally get one of those managers like I had uh, where they just can't tolerate just kind of dealing with the micromanagement anymore. And then they make the break, but they ha really haven't set them up for success. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I think was so important for me is I had a great mentor at Intel, um, Cecilia, she was my mentor for four or five years, uh, and we put a 10-year plan together. And like I said, working between her and uh, uh, some coaches, as well as uh, a great financial planner, you know, we stayed on track, you know, and my goal was when I hit 50, I'd be able to check out. I actually uh, checked out at 51. My financial advisor called me on my birthday at 50 and said, Hey, you know, if you ever want to kind of check out, you can go do whatever you want. We followed the plan for the last 10 years. And if you don't make any more money, you don't make any money, you're going to be fine anyway, which is a nice place to be. But it really, it took that 10 years to get to that point with th doing things very systematically. And, and what I would tell people listening is if you don't have a plan, uh, get a plan. If you don't have a mentor or a coach, get, get a coach. And if you don't have a, financial planner, get a financial planner. And between those, you know, three individuals, you will be uh, set for life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, basically a plan and, you know, you execute the plan and uh, some people think it's overnight, but you clearly elucidate it. It takes time and, you know, it takes habits, um, you know, all these things, you know, you don't retire early for, you know, just out of the blue, you have to, you know, it takes some strategy and skills. So, Next question is um, talking about how to develop your positive intelligence. Um, you know, I'm, a lot of people, I'm just curious, what is positive intelligence and kind of expand on that? Sure. Well, I, when I did most of my doctoral work, um, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I worked, I was looking at how people are motivated and engaged. So I did a lot of work around the concept of flow, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, and I think most people are familiar with emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence was developed by a guy by the name of um, Dr. Daniel Goleman back in, in Rutgers back in the 90s. Um, and it's really uh, it's about, you know, how we uh, kind of understand ourselves, how we handle what we, what we know about ourselves and how we interact and react uh, with others. And that's all kind of creates a. Uh, uh, the type of motivation that you have. So, so Goldman did fantastic work, great uh, research on that. Um, and I've always been a fan of the emotional intelligence work. Uh, and the previous work prior to, to, to Goldman 
was a guy by the name of Howard Gartner who came up with um, you know different types of intelligences. But the the thing that that Goldman always challenged me was that that his material, uh, although incredibly well researched, uh, gave you more descriptive elements rather than prescriptive elements. So now that I know all of this and I, I know my EQ score is you know 74 out of 100 or whatever, what do I do with it? And it was was always a little bit descriptive as opposed to a prescription. Um, and several years ago, a gentleman by the name of Shirzad Shamin out of Stanford uh, wrote this book called Positive Intelligence. And, and basically what Shirzad had done, um, it's first of all, it's a fantastic book. Uh, if I highly recommend it to anyone. Easy read, makes a lot of sense, well-researched, um, really easy to, to put into practice. And he really took that work that Goldman had done, along with many other uh, researchers uh, like Richard David Rock, you know, with regard to positive psychology, some work from uh, Martin Seligman. So he's taken all these different experts and, and he's created this operating system. Uh, and what it is, is it's taking the concept of mindfulness uh, and understanding kind of your saboteurs and your, your sage brain. He says there's really two parts of your brain. You know, one half is your saboteurs, and we'll talk a little bit about those, the, the 10 saboteurs we all have, and the sage brain and, and how you approach problems. And the key is, is if you can build these new neuro pathways, kind of using neuroscience through this continued, uh, very small time practice, it's it's the repetition that builds the neuro pathways, that you can really kind of shift your brain from, uh, you know, kind of a fixed mindset to a to a growth mindset. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, actually, I saw it just saw it on Audible. Um, so check that out. It's quite it sounds quite interesting. And I love this idea of this um, neuroplasticity that you're talking about, where you're just kind of like small daily habits, and then kind of you build those neural pathways, you know, kids, they pick things up really easily, because they're so pliable. And uh, we as adults have to kind of more be more intentional. Um, so that's quite interesting. So kind of um, talk about, you know, developing positive intelligence, and then you're creating your own personal brand, and you're transitioning from manager to a leader. I'm really, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this, this, uh, this. Sure. Um, so first, let's talk a little bit uh, for the, the listeners or the viewers um, is to figure out, first of all, you need to understand what your, who your saboteurs are. Um, and if you go to uh, www.pqtrainingandcoaching.com, uh, that'll take you to my website. And on the website, uh, there'll be a small form to fill in and you'll get a jump, this jumpstart uh, document that'll allow you to kind of get it in there. And also uh, it'll take you to Shirzad's site so that you can take the assessment. The assessment only takes about 10 minutes to take. It's free. Uh, and what you'll do is it'll, it'll give you kind of the strength of your saboteurs. That's the first ass assessment in the, in the quick start document. And then the second ass assessment that's in there, it's gonna tell you your, your, your overall strength of your positive intelligence. You know, the maximum I think is 99, zero to 99. And you're, you're, and it's basically evaluating your sage brain, that, that brain that looks for opportunity, it really looks at everything as an opportunity rather than as a threat. Um, and the higher your score, 
uh, the better. And what Shirzad has found is that you really need to get to a score of about 75, a three to one. And what it says is, if I have 75 sage brain looking, uh, you know, for uh, a variable kind of non-fixed mindset, you know, that, that looks for opportunities uh, versus the 25, which is the, the sage brain or the, the saboteur brain, uh, if you can get it to that point, uh, basically that's where things drastically change, change for you. So, uh, so take the assessment. Um, I would say, cause I've done, we do the six week programs on how to, how to do this. Um, you don't have to take one of our six week programs. I will say one of our programs is amazing. Um, but if you want to just go read the book and take the assessment, it'll give you a really good idea of kind of what, what we're talking about. Um, and it'll, it talks about the, the 10 saboteurs that we have. We have the overarching saboteur, which is the judge, which takes all the other voices in our head uh, and it puts it all together and it creates that judgment of whether I'm good enough and uh, smart enough and, and so forth. But the, the uh, other nine saboteurs are, um, he has named them as kind of the controller, right? Uh, the hyperachiever where nothing is, uh, uh, is good enough and you have to keep doing more. There's a restless person where you're constantly thinking about what's next and what should be next. There's a stickler that pays attention to the to the really small details and quite often gets stuck in there. Uh, there's the pleaser uh, saboteur, which is always trying to do things for others, making, you know, not uh, creating any kind of conflict, uh, even if it's your own expense. Uh, there's the hypervigilant um, and the hypervigilant is is really paying attention to um, very similar to um, to the stickler, but but it's always it's always thinking about there's uh, you know there's more to come and and how do I uh, how do I pay attention and what should I have done and and so forth. So that's the hyper vigilant. And then there's the avoider saboteur, you know, where you basically just kind of stick your head in the ground and just hope things go away and hope is not a strategy. Uh, and then there's the victim where everything is poor me. And then the last one is what's, you know, one of my saboteurs, which is the hyper-rational, where the hyper-rational saboteur says that everything can be kind of turned into a number and and you can deal with everything rationally. And one of the things I learned from not only getting certified to teach this a couple of years ago, uh, but also from teaching it is that, you know, the engineer brain, a scientist type of people, what we really want to do is we really want to go after the facts first and and start arguing or debating or you know creating a position for us and what you really have to realize is that you know we are emotional creatures and until you can get through that emotional wall to get to the rational brain it's really just an uphill battle and that, and that's what the positive intelligence uh, program teaches you is how to how to do that um, and as you mentioned before, it's these small micro uh, habits that you create through um, two to five minute mindfulness activities uh, that actually show up on an app on your phone. I get a little little ding that just says, hey, it's time to take a two minute break. Here's some things to do. And by doing that over and over and over again, it builds these new neural pathways uh, like you would build when you were a kid. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I encourage the audience to go and check out the um, pqtrainingandcoaching.com. Uh, we'll get uh, into Kevin's links at the end. 
the other question is basically you were talking about this organizational culture and i had a guest on just before you and she was talking about leadership and you know in the west the leaders are kind of um looked down upon they're kind of um viewed as lack of character and lack of integrity and don't follow through on what they say so how do you move from transactional to transformational leadership great question um and that's one of my passions the big challenge that you'll find when you're trying to develop leaders and when i've worked with you know first midline and, and senior managers to to do that one of the challenges that we have all of us have is is that we get really good at something um, and then the next thing you know, particularly in a technical environment, you get really good at something uh, and then you're awarded, you're rewarded by here's 10 people to go manage. And you're a great coder, you know, you write terrific code and so forth. You do that for 10 years. And the next thing you know, you have a team, but you're not prepared for that, right? So, so you can't really blame the poor individual uh, that get thrown into that, that situation. But the, I think the big thing, you know, with regard First is to understand the difference between management and leadership. You know, and management is about managing things, and leadership is is about working and and leading people, right? So the the key is is that you have to be able to develop that relational piece uh, versus the the task piece. And because we are we get so good at what we do, moving into the new position, we don't want to let go of things that are going to show us and reinforce us constantly that we are good at our job and we're doing well and so forth. So, so Matt, what we find was um, the, the best leaders excel uh, in, in two ways. The first thing is they learn to become incredible communicators. And we've done a ton of research on this as well as many other organizations um, that the best leaders um, all have uh, great communication skills, right? So that's that's the first thing. And then the second thing that that we found is that they are incredible delegators, right? And one of the things that we teach in our program in the Lean Forward Academy is that there's there's really only one question you have to ask yourself of whether I should be doing it myself or delegating it. It's super easy. Um, almost nobody does it. Uh, and the question is, is you have to say, Hey, if I'm holding on to this task or this activity, am I restricting someone that reports to me from learning or growing? And if the answer is yes, then you need to, to instantly figure out how to delegate it. And it doesn't mean, and there's a difference between delegating and dumping. We're not talking about dumping it on somebody is you have to make sure that they're, they're ready for it. Um, sometimes it means partnering. Sometimes it means getting them a coach. Sometimes it means sending them off to training. But if you are particularly good at something, uh, and that's what we found with the managers that really get burned out and really don't have a high degree of resilience, is that they just hold on to everything for two reasons. One, they're really good at it. So they can see the cause and effect. You know, if I spend two hours on this, it'll be done and I'll be able to help out the team. If I give it to Joe, uh, it's going to take him 10 hours, so I'll just do it myself. And the problem is, is what they haven't said is by not giving it to Joe the first time, the next time you have to do this, how long is it going to take Joe? Well, it's still going to take him 10 hours. He hasn't made any progress on it. So a lot of times what you may have to do is you may have to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Joe or I'm going to give a piece of it to Joe. 
Uh, and then he is going, he or she is going to have to work through it. And I essentially am going to coach him. And over X period of time, eventually, the next time this comes in, it, it's going to go to him and, and, and so forth. And what that does is, um, as you as a more senior person, you've moved into that position, it, it frees up that time for you to do more of the people relation relationship management. And there's a really interesting thing, the way what humans um, like is they like um, uh, uh, causation, right? It's an if then, if I do this, if I put my two hours here, I get the two hours back or I get four hours back or I get make that next sale or that next design goes out that much quicker. And, and, and particularly engineers or some people in science love having that um, causation. Uh, and what the problem is, is that if you look at man leadership, leadership is about correlation. It's about putting the time in and generally you don't get to see what happens for a longer period of time and what happens is is if you're not trained and don't understand that you know you're doing like i'm you know building a team and i'm having regular conversations and i'm doing a lot of great communications and you know i am their support uh and i i'm not i'm not seeing the, the causation that my brain has you know taught me to do for the last 10 or 15 or 20 years of whatever you've been doing uh, and ultimately, people just say, okay, well, maybe this isn't working, so I'm going to have to default back to kind of doing more of the, the level of work that I shouldn't, the next level down work that I was good at that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, really fascinating. And kind of as we, we have a couple, I have a couple more questions. Um, sure. And, and so what the next question is, um, when you talk about um, hiring and retaining the best employees, motivating unengaged employees, how do you how do you do that? You know, sustainable, highly engaged teams. Um, what, what do the best leaders do? Yeah, well, if uh, the listeners are uh, um, want to go to LinkedIn or you do a search for this, I actually just uh, published two articles on this. I published one on how to hire your best employees, focusing on a manufacturing environment, and then this morning we released the how to retain version of that. It started out as one article and it got so big that we decided to split it. So if anybody wants all of the gory details about uh, kind of the, I think it's six six or seven practices to hire and uh, six, five or six practices to retain, uh, it's all it's all in the article. Just, just go in and type in my name and look for an article on hiring or retaining employees. But at a very high level, you know, what we found is you, you, want, you want to hire for talent, right? Uh, and you want to train for skill. You know, and the tenants, the tendency is that we have a tendency to hire for skill, you know, oh boy, they have, you know, 20 years of doing coding here, or, you know, 10 years at design or, or whatever. Um, and what they really have a talent for is building teams or, or something, something else other than that. So you certainly want to be able to bring somebody in where they have some skill, but you have to ask yourself, can I train them for skill? And then I think the second thing on hiring is, is you, you absolutely have to have that right fit. And a lot of people can't tell whether they have a, have a good fit or not until they bring them into the company and they find out it's, it's, it's too late. And you can get the right fit just by asking some really, really simple questions about, you know, where, when do you work best? Do you work best in a, a team or in, individually? Uh, when you run into a problem, how do you handle it? And then... And then you know what kind of the company norm is, 
and then you can gauge whether that person you know, would fit naturally or not. But if you have a high team environment and they excel at working individually, uh, they're going to be uncomfortable and vice versa. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? I know you mentioned your website a little bit earlier, but how can they follow you, check out your work and, and so forth? Yeah. So uh, first of all, if anybody has any questions and they want to get a hold of me, I am very, very reachable. Uh, you can reach me at Kevin at magnaleadership.com, M-A-G-N-A leadership. Uh, you can follow follow us. We have a, a, a LinkedIn page, business page at Magna Leadership. We have a Facebook page, a, bus, a business Facebook page at Magna Leadership. And then if any of you are ex-users or what used to be known as Twitter, um, we have a quite a Twitter following of about 53,000 people. Um, you can follow me and it, it's not, it's at Dr. Kevin spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Kevin. Uh, and you'll be able to get, we, the first thing I do every morning is I do 10 to 15 minutes of research. I have a feed that feeds me articles. So I review usually the 20 to 25 articles. Uh, and if they're uh, good articles you know, on management, leadership, motivation, engagement, emotional intelligence, uh, it gets posted to all of our social media links. Uh, we don't use Instagram or Pinterest or any of those, but we do use the the other ones. So you can get you can find me there, or you can even go to our website. Lots of information about the different products we do it on our magnaleadership.com website. Yeah, and for all the audience out there, um, what a fantastic conversation! All of uh, Kevin's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check those out. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed this talk on, on organizational culture, management, leadership, and a great story. Um, and with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. All right, Christopher. Thanks again for the 